Thoughts better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday episode of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code Locked On. You'll get 10 bucks off your next order. Kyle, happy Wednesday to you. Indeed, it is a happy Wednesday. It's uh, two days ahead of my hometown fantasy football draft, so I'm excited. Uh, you have to do keepers, or how does this work? So it's all it's auction based, but it's a redraft every year. Yeah, it's a redraft every year, auction based. So a lot of strategy, and we just flipped to a uh, super flex last year where we got like a two QB thing going on. So. Now, this is the league where if you lose, you got to do some really embarrassing stuff, right? Yeah, you're the Sacco. Yeah. What did you, what was the thing you had to do for this, like last year? Um, so the last couple of years, it's been you've had to remake a music video, mm. but the rest of the league gets to pick the song. And uh, you've never lost, right? No, I've never lost. No, I know that you've had legitimate like concern and fear over this. Well, like, yeah, it's like you're three weeks out and you're not mathematically eliminated from finishing in last place yeah. yet, right? Yeah. So, um, no, I I won my division last year based on like a tiebreaker or something like that. What's your but, strategy? Like, what's the with the auction? Yeah, what's your plan? Don't finish last. Yeah, I know, but are you gonna go like all <laughs> in on a player? You're gonna try to like go sleepers? Um, you, Clyde Edwards Hilaire? What's your deal? I got my guys. I, the auction makes it tough because it's like the names are drawn out of the hat. So you have no control. Oh, you don't get to put them up there. No, it's, it's totally random. So it's like you almost every year you think you have a strategy, but you're completely mm. at the mercy of how the names are drawn off the board. And like mm. if the collective mentality is we're going to sit and wait on a handful of players, I typically buy early and get some value buys on my roster. It's August 26th, and Joe Marino has still not committed to a fantasy football league. No, you're doing one. We'll do a draft each one. Can, you, can we do, like, a, a weekly pool or something like that? Like that a daily, daily fantasy yeah, but sports for, style? Yeah, like draft dudes, listeners, like just like a yeah, daily league where every week you have the chance to, like, pick the roster that you want, and, you know, everyone's in it, and maybe there's we'll some have, cash involved. We'll have to explore a good yeah, question that, that would be fun that would, i would be i would be interested in that all right kyle um i don't know if you know this but uh buddha baker's awesome now we all didn't have him number six on our board in 2017 damn it i had him 14 and i was told it was too low it is too low yeah because you're the only one on the planet that had him six i'm also the only guy that had eddie jackson 14th too wow you didn't have EJ same, dra- same draft same draft class yeah it was jamal yeah buddha and Eddie were my top three guys. That you had year. them all in the top fourteen, huh? I did. I had them all pretty high. I, I was I had Eddie as a second round grade, but I can't like gloat like you did as the, you know, well, the first round. You took so I, much crap for that, man. It was great. Especially, I went on like of all places. I went on like a Dolphins podcast, and they were talking about like players for the Dolphins in the first round. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Yeah, man, like, I really, you know, I know this is crazy, and it, it, <laughs> it won't have to spend a first-round pick on him, but if I were the Dolphins, I'd, I'd lean pretty hard into Eddie Jackson. <laughs> and uh, Eddie's been awesome. So th- that whole safety group, those three guys have all made the Pro Bowl. Obviously, yep. Jamal's going to get paid big time uh, when his contract renewal comes around. So uh, th- there's been plenty of misses for, for Kyle along the way, but the 2017 <laughs> safety class was not one of them. 
the ball ain't gonna spike itself, man. You gotta, you gotta, you have enough misses. You gotta gloat about some of the wins. That 2017 class between like those three safeties and then the the corners and Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, yeah. Trey White. Uh, I mean, come on now, that's that's bananas. And with Dory Jackson's part of that mix, I mean, 2017 like infused the NFL with talented DBs. But so Buddha gets the a contract that makes him the highest paid safety in in NFL history. Good for him. What do you think about this dynamic where I mean, he's not, he's not had an interception and, and um, still, still got that money. Do you think that's something you're okay with or should that have been in consideration? I think something that is in consideration here is this market is going to shift very quickly. And Buddha, I think you look at the value of what he did bring to the table. He's been super versatile. We knew that was the case. Uh, he still has generated turnovers. He's forced four fumbles. He's recovered four fumbles. He has a defensive touchdown on that front. Uh, can play a little bit of everywhere, right? Um, coverage isn't necessarily where he shines the best, but he's such a persistent presence within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage that, like, get out in front, give him this contract now because we know, Joe, you just talked about the defensive backs that came in yep. in 2017. You start forecasting 12, 18 months from now, re-signing, especially if Buddha continues to ascend with his play, uh, he's going to be even more expensive. So this is a set-the-market type of deal, which I am always for. Yep, uh, great tackler, got a quick trigger. Um, and this is why I would love to find out that the Bills pay Trey White an extension right now because – you don't want to be last <laughs> and never um, be last. <laughs> yeah. So good. And it, he barely reset the market too. It's not like it was right. uh, one of these like deal. Yeah. We, it, which we've seen at tight end, which we've seen at offensive tackle linebacker defensive end. Uh, it's, it was just kind of barely that market setting deal. And with Jamal Adams right there, you know, uh, uh, looking for his extension. It's uh, I think this was a really good move by Arizona. Fun um, fact, fun fact yeah. real quick. Yeah. Buddha's been a first-team All-Pro guy, too. You realize that? Uh, no, I didn't. Special teams. For real. 2017, his rookie season, he played 307 defensive – or 307 special team snaps, 513 defensive snaps, and he was first-team AP All-Pro that year as a special teamer. 13 tackles on special teams that year. It's good. It's a good number. So for this, we talked a lot about this Arizona defense. Have you noticed since we started uh, dogging them for their past defense, they went out and signed a couple of veteran corners. Yeah. Yeah. BW Webb and Kareem Jackson or Drake Kirkpatrick. Sorry. Drake Kirkpatrick. Yeah. Drake Kirkpatrick. Yeah. And BW Webb. So look, I mean, Steve Kime, obviously draft dudes, podcast listener. Do you think, let me ask you this because Arizona drafted him at 36. Do you remember who they traded with to get to 36? and make this, this pick happen? Uh, I, I guess it doesn't ring a bell off the top of my head. The Chicago Bears. For Shaheen? Yes. They traded so back Chicago, got Shaheen. Chicago and- traded back Shaheen and Tariq Cohen. Okay. And they also got a sixth-round pick that was subsequently traded and, and ended up being Jeremy Clark in a future four. So they got a lot to move back nine spots. But if you're Chicago, would you rather have Buddha and Eddie in the same draft class as two safeties that complement mm. each other super well, 
or would you rather have Adam Shaheen, who you traded for a conditional seventh round pick, Tariq Cohen, who, you know, after starting really hot, was one of the least appealing per touch running backs in the league last year and a bunch of nothing. I think it's a pretty obvious yeah. answer there, Kyle. Yeah. That's why you always take good players. Just take good players. Don't worry about the rest. Yeah, that's true. Just draft good football players. Good things will happen. Kyle, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that I have ever had. We've talked about them in the past, but they have a new product line out, and it is more delicious than ever before. There is six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, lemon, almond, cheesecake. I can't wait to try that one. I just got a, a box of those in. Carrot cake and apple almond crisp. They're soft, easy to chew. They have the texture and consistency of a candy bar, and they're all covered with 100% chocolate. They're great for anyone who is health conscious. If you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or you just want to indulge in something that is delicious but is still good for you, you got to try out Built Bar. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for anyone on the keto diet. Right now, we've got a deal for you. If you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 10 bucks off your next order. So if you use this in the past, it's activated again for your next order. Again, BuiltBar.com. Promo code lockdown. You'll get ten bucks off your next order, and you too can have the best pro the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Kyle, there's some interesting things here that went down with uh, Curtis Weaver, Dolphins fifth round pick. Many believed potentially a guy that was deserving of a higher selection. Yeah, let's navigate through this discussion and um, clear up some of the questions I think a lot of people had about the Dolphins uh, waving him. Yeah, this is like a really surprising move, right? Kind of caught everybody off guard, fifth round pick, week into practice, he gets hurt, he has a toe injury, and the Dolphins wave slash injure uh, wave Curtis Weaver. And the prospect is, okay, he's got a clear, we want to put him on IR, but because he's a non-tenured player with a I guess it's a there's severity of injuries, like Grant Delpit tore his Achilles. You're not playing this year with a torn Achilles. I think Curtis Weaver has like turf toe or something like that. Like feasibly, you would prefer to IR him and not play him, but because there's some ambiguity there, has to pass through the waiver process first. Or you can subsequently keep him on your active training camp roster, be operating with one less body in that edge group, after you've already lost Vince Beagle to an Achilles tear of his own, and then cut the roster down to 53 men, and then on September 5th, you could put Curtis Weaver on IR without exposing him to the waiver process. I would say it's as simple as this for the Dolphins. For whatever reason, between the issues that were present in the draft process that caused him to fall to the fifth round, which surprised a lot of people, and what the Dolphins had a chance to see over the course of the past month or so since he's gotten into the facility in Davy, Miami saw enough to say we could take it or leave it. Yeah. And yeah. they chose to cut him and didn't want to waste an active training camp roster spot on a player that in their mind wasn't going to play for him this year. They said, if we get him back on waivers, great. If we lose him, okay, we'll be okay. Um, which is a surprise to, to some people and a lot of people based on what 
the expectations were for Curtis Weaver coming out of Boise State as the Mountain West Conference's leading sacker and a guy who left college early to go to the pros. Yeah, I mean, tons of production in college. And it kind of felt like there was a disconnect between his production and where some people viewed him and where, you know, some of the other guys, some of the NFL.com guys were uh, speaking to his valuation. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting because, like, his body composition was always a a big question mark, kind of a smooth, soft guy, right? And and you just kind of wonder about – you know, maybe it's just bad genes. I don't know. But, like, you just wonder about the type of condition his his body was in to really, you know, withstand exchanging power at the NFL level. And does he have that that functional strength to, to really do it? And I, I, I thought he played really well against Florida State, uh, which was, a, you know, his, his big test last year. Um, but it, it does just come back to the Dolphins said if he clears – we'd love to have him back and put him on IR and, you know, see if he can get healthy and develop. And we'd love to see what that looks like. But if someone else wants to pull the trigger, we, we can live with that. And so Cleveland pulled the trigger, which I think is a good move for them. Right. I mean, like the first they're year coach, like, yeah. they got plenty of time to worry about player development. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and now, so here's my question. I don't know if you know the answer is can, Cleveland put him directly on IR. No, now okay, so no. they still have to. They have the same set of circumstances. They yep. have to keep him, and he has to make the the fifty three, and then he has to go on IR. Which makes sense in the sense that you got Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. You kind of know who yep. your starters are, right? And the Dolphins brought in a ton. They brought in a ton of bodies: Emmanuel Og, Shaq Lawson. Uh, they drafted Jason Strobridge as another potential hand in the dirt defensive end type player. They drafted Andrew Van Ginkle in the fifth round of last year's NFL draft. Uh, obviously, they had Vince Beagle went down with injury. They signed Kyle Van Noy, who can play stand-up on the edge. They've got enough there from a competition perspective that I think they'll be okay, but the expectation for Curtis Weaver in the pre-draft process was like, yeah, this might be like a, a six to ten sack a year kind of guy, like, Miami had terrible pass rush this year. Why are they letting that guy walk out the building? Do you like this rule? You know, like, because you could see the NFL just trying to get red shirt seasons out of young players. That, Absolutely. So it's, it, it's kind of necessary, but it's also kind of sucky, right? Because it forces you to make these difficult decisions. And, like, I guess if a guy's legitimately injured and there's no question about it, like you still have the same opportunity to put him on IR. But right. like if this rule like didn't Grant exist, Delvin. man, there'd be so many red shirt guys just stashed. Yes, we're going to put, oh, so-and-so has an AC sprain in his shoulder. We're going to put him on IR, and then magically he's going to come back week 11 after 10 weeks right. and play, and we're going to sneak another guy through the cuts process. Like they will, Teams would absolutely exploit it. Yeah. If you gave him the opportunity, they absolutely would. Yeah, it's, that's that's the dilemma, right? If you want to cut a cut a player, you know, even even when you want to kind of sneak a guy into a practice squad, not not quite on the fifty three, but get him on that practice squad. You have to expose him. Now, and, I uh, I do want to take this conversation to a little bit of a, a more broad brush day three expectations for draft picks kind of angle too. Yeah. This is the second consecutive year the Dolphins will have a day three selection that does not see the end of his rookie year. And it's not like fullbacks or special teams guys. The Dolphins drafted 
off, uh, offensive tackle Isaiah Prince in the sixth round of 2019. They cut him December 5th, his rookie year. Didn't make it to the end of the season. Curtis Weaver never plays a snap. Gets hurt. They try to finesse him through the waiver wire process. Doesn't happen. Joe, how realistic should it be? Or what's the optics from not a fan of this team? What would you tell fans of the Dolphins that are upset that the Dolphins are using draft picks on players that are not seeing the end of their rookie season? You just want me to continue being a Dolphins apologist. No, <laughs> but it's, it's from the draft angle, and it's only going to fall yeah. on it's going to fall on deaf ears coming from me as a Dolphins guy. Sure. But I don't think it's realistic for us to like sit here and get pissed off that Miami yeah. cut a sixth round pick through week twelve of their rookie season. Yeah, I mean, you you have to. I think the worst thing you can do is is cling to mistakes and. If a guy doesn't have it, don't continue to invest your time, energy, coaching efforts into a player that just doesn't have whatever, whether it's the requisite skill, they're not what you thought they were, they have the wrong mentality, you don't like their habits, whatever it is, like, move on. There's, there's no incentive for continuing to invest resources into something that isn't going to materialize. And sometimes that's exactly what that player needs. And maybe they do become something somewhere else, but it wasn't going to happen under the circumstances in your building. And so I, I think one of the worst things that teams do is cling to mistakes and keep guys around for longer than they should because they invested a draft pick in them uh, just because they don't want to look bad or look like they picked the wrong players. I, I think clinging, not clinging to mistakes is a very good thing in the NFL. And I, I mean, if it's a first or second or third round pick or something like that, you know, that it's that one hurts. thing we're talking about yeah. fifth, sixth round picks, seventh round. I mean, the, the, the opportunity cost there is is worth it to uh, to move on and, and get a different body in the building. Your standard expectations for those guys is what two or three years on the roster? Well, that's I mean to take this to a Jake Fromm angle. I put out a tweet last week that was like you know there's some Bills fans that you know remember Jake Fromm is the quarterback that led Georgia to three consecutive SEC East championships and. Um, was fed by college football broadcasters that this is the type of guy that could be an NFL starting quarterback, and the Bills get him in the fifth round. And everyone thinks that that uh, not everyone's that's not a fair statement, but a lot of people think that oh, the Bills got a real steal here, and they're worried. Well, if you if you if you release him and want to put him on the practice squad, you could miss out. And so I took the time to put a screenshot of every fifth round quarterback <laughs> since 2000, and I'm like, have a look here. This is just – there's nothing here. There's there, – A.J. Feely's the best one. You know, it's like the, I'm okay with missing out on what Jake Fromm's going to deliver in the NFL because fifth-round quarterbacks just – they don't do anything. So, yeah, I think we have to be real about expectations for late-round picks. And, yeah, there are steals. And the, the, the NFL is full of UDFAs that become meaningful players. But – I just don't think it's worth getting bent out of shape over. So that's why when we did, because tomorrow we're dropping the season previews. And yeah. when we looked at draft capital for those teams, we limited it, Joe, to top 100. So effectively days one and two of the NFL draft. Because if you're getting plus starters outside of like in a deep draft, the, the first 10 picks of the fourth round, like if you're getting starters consistently later than that, you're breaking the system. Like, it just doesn't work that way. There's a, there's a reason why the top 100 picks, everybody's first three cracks through the order, that should be your 
relative expectation of I'm going to be getting starting football players. Anything beyond that is depth. And sometimes you know, players, the light bulb comes on really fast when they hit with a certain coach when they're drafted late. Sometimes players take a lot more time to develop, but they can develop because they are a late round guy and they, they do float around. Look at like Raheem Mostert, right? How many teams was Raheem Mostert on before he lands in San Francisco? And of course the scheme's part of that success that he yeah. has there, but they just gave him a three-year, uh, $9 million contract extension to be the feature guy there. Yeah. He, he played on six teams in like two years. Yeah. It's just, it, it's not as simple as like, boom, lock him in. Now he's going to be a stud for us. Oh, it's all fit and scheme and coaching and opportunity and, the dynamic it's so layered so layered between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails you've got plenty on your to-do list give yourself one less thing to worry about and let doordash take care of your next meal joe wants chinese i want pizza there's something for everyone on doordash doordash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your front door ordering is easy open the doordash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero in delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off and zero in delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, code LOCKEDON for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Okay, Joe, we had one additional discussion point that we wanted to speak on, and it, it, it's regarding New York Giants head coach Joe Judge. Yeah, man. So you could tell this guy is disciplinarian type coach, right, where this goes back to having coaches run laps and um, some of his comments through the media recently – talking about how he was going to take the red jersey off of Daniel Jones and let him let him get hit a little bit and um he just has this very old school mentality and um it's interesting because I don't know that this is this is what professional NFL players are going to respond to yeah yeah it's it's very questionable i think that's why guys like like Tom Coughlin have phased out. And that's why it's so interesting to me that this is happening again in New York where I don't know if it's because they feel like they remember having great success under Tom Coughlin and they've had the Ben McAdoo's and the Pat Shermer's of the world. And they want to go back to that because they think it's going to you know, restore some of their glory. But I don't, I just look, man, I, I feel like, I feel like this is a dangerous mentality. I, I'm not, I'm not above accountability and tough leadership and holding people accountable and, and motivating people. But like, I think he's, he's walking a very fine line here and I, and I, and I'm nervous about how he's, how he's going to be received, you know, especially when you look for like the long term, if guys are going to want to really stay connected to this man for, for, you know, second contracts and so, come there in free agency. So here's the full quote. The question was, I know some quarterbacks like to get that first hit out of the way in a preseason game. Is there any thought at all to taking the red jersey off Daniel Jones at some point before December 14th? Here's the response. 
you know, we've talked about it. With quarterbacks, you want to go ahead and be calculated with how you start banging them around. I don't think we're going to throw him into any Royal Rumbles or anything like that, but at some point we'll pop his pads a little bit in a controlled environment. Maybe that's with a young guy who understands kind of hitting him a little bit, but I'm not in a hurry to go ahead and just beat the hell out of him. But at some point we'll prepare his body for what he may take in the first game. So to be fair, they're not just going to pull the red flag or the red jersey off him and go full live contact. But when you combine the taking the red jersey off Daniel Jones and you got players and coaches running laps around the field with there's mistakes, it's just like, I think that the, the Tom Coughlin comparison is funny and it, it's accurate to a certain degree. And that's why it's funny to me because it's like, yeah, man, but you can do that if you win. Yeah. We don't expect the giants and, and it, to be fair, the giants and Joe judge, he's going to expect to win football games because every coach and every player expects to win. But what happens if you're doing this in your zero and six? Yeah, it's not good. These players are going to say, forget this. This is bullshit. You know, and you, you, by taking that hard line stance, I think you run the risk of like really alienating your players because it's going to be really hard to buy in when it's this, this hard nosed, this uh, hard line stance and you don't have success. So we've looked at the Giants' schedule before, Joe, but I do want to pull it up here because I want to gauge how risky this is that they do start the season, like 0-6. Are they beating the Steelers on Monday night? Is that their week one game? Yes. No. Are they going to Chicago and beating the Bears in week two? Maybe. In six days. They maybe. They get one less day. Maybe. I say it's unlikely, but maybe. And then they host the 49ers. Not great. And then you fly all the way to L.A. and you have to play the Rams in L.A. Tough game. That's a winnable game, though. Winnable, yeah. Then you go to Dallas the following week. Not great. Then you're home against Washington. Maybe. And then you're in Philly and then you have Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, at the most they're looking at with three and three tops. Yeah, three wins. Do you remember playing high school football and like you had road games and you're on the bus and if you lose the game, like nobody was allowed yeah, to talk you, on the you way don't, home? You don't talk on the way home. You think but you're allowed to do it if you win. You're allowed, if you win, you're allowed to talk. I thought that was weird, man. It's like, shouldn't we always try to repl- be like replicating the things that we do when we're successful? Well, I think the problem with high school, right, was it's like you'd have the kids that didn't really play in the game and they didn't give a shit and they're hooting and hollering in the back or they're like throwing bottle caps at each other and stuff like that. And Bus rides home for us after wins were parties and they didn't want us partying. So sit there I get and think that, about But the it's loss. like, can we talk? Can I, can I like maybe have some communication here about things that went wrong? Like, I don't know. I'm not asking. I'm not asking to have a party. Can we just talk about it? You know, like it all, we're all hurting. It all sucks. But like to be like, we have to sit there and like just fester in our own thoughts. It's like, can, can we have a conversation about what went wrong here? How many, how many buses did your, your team require to travel? I think we had, an, we had two. Two for players? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, like two total buses. What about the cheerleaders and the band and stuff? Oh, dude, I can't even like. I, I guess they had their own. <laughs> I don't know. They weren't on there with us. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think I think our total conglomerate was four total buses, four or five total buses with like the band, cheerleaders got a bus, players got I think two or three buses. So like that, that varsity bus was a little different than that JV bus. That JV bus, you just sat there, kept your mouth shut. So you had were these cheerleaders and band members on buses with players? No, they had separate buses. Okay, like the cheerleaders had a bus for the cheerleaders and all their equipment, and then the band had I think two buses worth. We had a big band. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then the players I think had two or three buses between all the coaches and stuff. We had a lot of coaches on our staff. Um. <sighs> Guess it's gonna let's let's not go too far down the Giants rabbit hole, right? We'll give Joe Judge a chance. Yep. But you can kind of see the storm clouds brewing a little bit, where we start getting a little concerned here with the the approach that we're taking, especially if you don't have success early on. Uh, tomorrow, we have two shows tomorrow, Joe. We have our standard Thursday morning release, and then Would You Rather, episode four. On Thursday night, YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, The Draft Network. We're live, hypotheticals. We'll do some mock draft simulations. So lots to look forward to there. And, Joe, tomorrow we're dropping the team guides, TDM Premium, opportunity for you to see where our scouting staff evaluates your team, evaluates their roster, evaluates their coach, evaluates their forecast for both short-term and long-term success, our schedule predictions from our entire scouting staff uh, for all 32 teams. Uh, as I said the other day, over 600 pages of written content regarding the teams for the 2020 season. So we're really excited for that to drop. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled, TDM Premium, thedraftnetwork.com. You'll see it there. It's going to be uh, premium content. You'll see it up across the nav bar at the top. Keep an eye out for it. We will make sure we drop it and plug it here, both tomorrow on both shows and on social media. I'm Kyle Krabs at Grind and Tape with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast.